the scripture that has been selected for reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14. Again, Ephesians 5 verse 14, that can be found on page 1041 in the Bibles that are provided in the pew. Therefore he said, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Can you hear me this morning? Good morning. I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful to be back home uh, from school. Uh, I don't get to come home very much, and an opportunity to preach is pretty exciting too, so I I thank you for listening this morning. Um, I really enjoy early service. It's kind of funny that I got to speak at early service considering what I wanted to talk about uh, was rising up. And uh, I know some people don't really like to rise up early. Um, I grew up in a household where my family was up really early in the morning. Um, I function better in the morning. I'm sure some of you do. I don't want to call anybody out, but there's a man, we'll just call him Griff, uh, who likes to get up and run. And uh, he's been known to come up to the church building and, and get some of us boys up and run us on division in the morning. So um, I know he, he likes to be up early and uh, it's just a blessing to be here at early service and worship with you. If you will turn to Ephesians chapter two, and that's the passage that we'll look at briefly. Uh, this morning. Like I said, I want to talk about rising up early. I want to talk about awakening. Uh, Some people have trouble sleeping. Some people oversleep. Some people don't get enough sleep. And then there's those people that, that, you know, can't get up in the morning. Um, They're late for work. They're late for class. Uh, And I'm sure at one point or another, we've all been guilty of it. So we know that terrible feeling of being out and oversleeping. Uh, But this morning I want to talk about a spiritual awakening in a sense. If you will, look at Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and in sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging our desires, the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in transgression, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Verse six talks about us being raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We've been raised up in Christ. So we don't have to be asleep and we don't have to be negligent. This morning I want to talk about this, but before we do that, let's go to God in prayer. Father God, we're thankful to thee for this day and for the blessings that you've provided. Father, thank you for the beauty of the morning, for waking us up and giving us a purpose today. We pray that our worship is acceptable to you, that we will have an open mind, an open Bible, an open heart, and that We'll be willing to make changes if there are things in our life that need to be changed. We're thankful for your son and for his sacrifice. We pray this in his name. Amen. I want to look um, at at, at an article that I found on Forbes magazine. Uh, It was talking about the benefits of waking up early, of, of giving yourself a little bit extra time to get focused in the morning. And these are the top 10 things 
that are beneficial from one who rises up early in the morning. In 2008, Texas University studied a study on college students who identified themselves as morning people. These morning people earned a full point higher on their GPA than those who were night owls. It was a 3.5 average versus a 2.5 average. Uh, God, uh, good sleep, excuse me, uh, is a key to making good grades in school. The second thing, people were more proactive. Early risers in a study in 2010 were showed that they were more likely uh, to spend time identifying long-range goals, being more focused on things long-term. Another one was that they anticipate problems well. Researchers revealed that morning people are likely to anticipate problems and minimize them efficiently, which leads to more success in the business world. They were considered to be better planners, better organizers, very goal-oriented. Getting better sleep meant that they would go to bed earlier and then rise up earlier. And apparently with that, it has something to do with the, the rhythms of the earth. I don't know how all that works, uh, but they said it's actually better for your body to get up early in the morning. People are more optimistic. Various studies show that these people exhibit characters of being agreeable, of having satisfaction, being conscientious. Another one is it's just easier to commute. If you get up early in the morning, you can see how much easier it is. There's not much traffic on the road. Uh, but if you're from Gladeville, you really don't have any kind of traffic at all. Um, uh, people who have a quiet hour, they rise up early, go to the office and have some time just to sit and think and uh, kind of get ready for the day. There's more family time, uh, quality meals. You can have breakfast in the morning. You have an opportunity to be with your kids as they get ready for school. And those are things that uh, a lot of parents miss uh, but would cherish if they had the time to do it. My whole thought behind this is if you're going to choose to get up early, you've got to have a desire. What do you want to get up for? Do you want to get up and run three or four miles? Or do you want to get up and make a big pot of black coffee and drink as much as you can just to kind of get you fired up for the day? You have to have some kind of desire, some kind of will or a drive that makes you want to get up. But also you've got to have a decision to make. Well, it's not enough for me just to want to get up. I have to make a decision. Am I really going to get up or am I going to hit snooze and fall back in the same habits that I've had over and over? And then with that comes discipline. You have to be sharp in your mind, sharp in your body, aware of what you're doing and stay at it. Be active with it and stay consistent. That's the only way it's going to benefit you long term. I see the same thing with our Christian lives. When we become Christians and we want to so-called wake up we have to make that decision. We have to have a desire. We have to be willing to stay consistent with it in order for our walk with God to have meaning. This morning, I want to look at a picture that the Bible paints of two men. A man who is dead, who's lazy, who's considered the slugger, who's asleep. And then I want to look at the man who is considered awake, aware, alive. The first we'll find uh, over in Luke chapter 16. If you will be turning over to Luke 16. This is the picture of the man who is dead and asleep. And as, as we're talking about this, and even as I preach, uh, I'm preaching to myself. So if there are things you hear that relate to you, uh, chances are it hits with me too. Uh, so let's just kind of keep our minds open, keep our eyes open, and see what things we have in common with these people that we read about. In Luke 16, beginning in verse 19, the scripture says, Now there was a rich man... And he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, 
joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was at his gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which are falling from the rich man's table. Even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. And now the poor man died, and he was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. But the rich man died also, and he was buried. That's enough to stop right there and kind of give us the picture of what happened to this rich man. You can imagine him waking up every day and maybe looking out his window and seeing that poor man that sat and begged and just wanted some crumbs. He was a humble man. We don't know much about his character, but we can assume that whatever he did was in favor with God to be carried away. So this, this rich man wakes up and he dresses in his purple and, and he thinks about himself and he has plans for what he wants to do for himself. And he's pretty dead to those who are suffering. He's pretty dead and unaware of those around him who need his help. We see in verse 22, the poor man was carried away by the angels, but the rich man died and was buried. He stayed in the ground. We see later on in the text that he's begging for mercy from Lazarus just to dip his finger in some cool water and cool his tongue. What does that show us about how the life we live today relates to how our spiritual life will be from now on? Your soul right now is eternal. When you pass away, you're still you. And you're going to spend eternity in one of two places. And you'll either be dead spiritually or alive spiritually. And that results in how your life is on this earth. Are you dead spiritually on earth? Or are you alive spiritually in Christ? We also see another picture of one who is dead in Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24, beginning in verse 30. The scripture says, I passed by the field of a slugger and by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles and the stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected upon it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. I don't know if you've kept a garden or if, you, if you've done any kind of farming, but you know you have to keep things trimmed and uh, pruned and kept upright and you have to follow the schedule if you're going to harvest and everything. Uh, it's the same thing with a man in his walk every day. You can tell what kind of a man is, what kind of man this person is just by the way he keeps uh, what he is a steward over. And the whole lesson from this was that a little slumber, a little sleep, a little folding of the hands caused this man uh, to be in want. He needed something. And that was a result of his doings. He just wasn't aware Think about other scriptures like Proverbs 22 and verse 13. The, the foolish man, the sluggard, uh, says there's a lion outside. I will be killed in the streets. It's almost a comical picture of a man who is so lazy that he sees a lion and he doesn't take shelter. He doesn't seek any kind of help. He just screams out and expects that he's going to die. I feel like a lot of times we do that spiritually. We know what the right thing to do is. And we just choose not to do it. Similar to what we see in James 4 and verse 17. We look at that man and say, how foolish, how, how lame, how pointless. You know, what was he thinking? Well, what were you thinking? 
What are you thinking now if you're asleep? Maybe this is your, your first time back to study God's Word and to be involved in the body of Christ. Uh, you know, maybe you ask yourself this morning, why? Why have I been asleep for so long? I think about another passage in Proverbs chapter 10. Uh, a slack hand causes poverty, uh, but a diligent hand uh, makes rich or brings wealth. You think about Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 4, that the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. He's still wanting. But then we see the soul of the diligent man is greatly supplied. Another translation renders that it is made fat, is made wealthy and abundant. We think about uh, Proverbs 19 and verse 15, the passage that uh, describes a man who, uh, let me turn over there real quick. The passage that describes a man uh, who is lazy, it says laziness is cast into a deep slumber uh, and the idle man will suffer hunger. A lot of times we sleep and we uh, become lazy and we don't stay consistent in our prayers. And if we do, we don't pray, you know, glorifying God, exalting God. Mostly we're just asking. When was the last time you felt closest to God? Was it when you really needed something? Or was it when you felt really blessed? I feel like our relationship with God should kind of be the same no matter what situation that we're in. People put too much stock in what tomorrow holds and they don't want to change. Think about James 4 beginning in verse 13. It's a challenge that says, Come now, ye who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make profit. But you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow for you are but a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And then in verse 15 it says, But instead we will say this, If the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Why do we put so much weight in what tomorrow is? I don't remember who said it, but I love that quote that said, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. When we stop making plans for tomorrow, make plans for right now, that lead to tomorrow, that lead to our future, when our walk with God is strong and we're alive in Christ, that's when we are successful. That's when we feel closest to God. But we see that we don't have to wake ourselves up by ourselves. We're not alone. We can't save ourselves and pull ourselves out of this bottomless pit. But it does take a little bit of effort on our part. But Jesus was the one who was able to raise the dead, was he not? Jesus was the one in Luke chapter 7 that raised a widow's son. In Mark chapter 5, he raised uh, Jairus, the synagogue official's daughter. In John chapter 11, he raised a man named Lazarus. The Lord is the one who is able to make us alive. And that's what I want to look at next is the picture of the man who has been made alive. Turn over to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2. Let's look in verse 13. To tell you a little bit before this, um, verse 2, I don't know what you're heading in your Bible says. Mine says you are built up in Christ. Uh, this passage is kind of talking about setting the foundation uh, that Christ is. And we see in verse 7, it says, Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him, established in our faith, uh, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. And then he goes on to warn them, beginning in verse 8, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, to elemental spirits of the world, and not after Christ. He explains that 
uh, in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily. Verse 10, he says, in him you've been made complete or filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Verse 11, in him you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12, this is where we're getting to the point. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Verse 13, when you were dead in your transgression and the uncircumcision of your flesh, here we go, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all in our transgression. Romans 5 and verse 6, while we were yet weak in due season, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for the sleeper. And he calls us today not to be a sleeper any longer, but to wake up, to rise up, to seize today, to take the opportunity to live for him. We see another passage that we sing about uh, over in Lamentations chapter 3. Beginning in verse 22, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. We are made alive. We are made complete. We have a chance to start fresh and start anew. Uh, I really kind of, and I'll be honest with you, I felt a little bit guilty at school this year. Um, I'm getting into some of my more core classes and I realized how much time I spent goofing off as a freshman. Uh, I don't think I set foot in the library until about halfway through my sophomore year, beginning of my junior year. And there's so many things I'm like, I really wish I had, I had gotten that from that class. I really wish I had paid more attention. Uh, and I feel like it's the same thing with us. I don't want to be that way on Judgment Day when I stand before the Lord and say, you know what? I wish I had done this better. I wish I had paid more attention to what the minister was saying. I wish I had paid more attention to, to my opportunities to grow with the Lord. We see in Psalm 88 and verse 13, but I, O Lord, have cried out to you for help. And in the morning, my prayer comes before you. I don't know whether you are a morning person. Like I said, uh, some people have different schedules, whether it be work or, um, you know, they have to get kids off in the morning. But Scripture talks a lot about the morning, about the success and the good things that happen. Um, specifically, this verse is talking about the prayer that comes to the Lord in the morning. What better time to go to God than as soon as you wake up? I hear people all the time, and I say it myself, I don't have time to pray like I want to. Well, what does it take? Five minutes to just pour your heart out to God. You'd be surprised in five minutes how many things you could say to the Lord in the morning. And he's always listening. The Lord is always awake. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 6, Therefore be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I want to wake up in the morning not anxious. I want to wake up in the morning confident in who my Lord is. And confident because I can speak with Him. And that's a great foundation for your day. Psalm 90 and verse 14, O satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness, that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Uh, I'm not particularly a singer. Um, I, I will be leading singing at second service, so that's when y'all can leave. You don't have to stay for that one. Um, but 
I kind of enjoy just singing when I'm in the truck or uh, when I'm out by myself, singing a few songs just to kind of keep myself encouraged, keep my mind focused on uh, spiritual things. But we don't sing a whole lot out of worship. Some people are embarrassed. Some people are just not comfortable with that. Uh, but you know, one doesn't need a pitch pipe to sing praises to God in his car. One doesn't need the Sacred Selections handbook, hymn book, uh, you know, be driving down the road and reading a song book. I don't, I don't really think that's safe. Um, but, you know, we have examples of Jesus praying. We have examples of Jesus singing a hymn, maybe to gather his thoughts, just to express to God something that's too deep for him even to express with words. We see that through prayer and song. And in Romans 8, it talks about the Holy Spirit interceding for us in prayer. And that's a whole other lesson uh, and something that's really difficult for me to comprehend. But there's something about song that makes us alive. Something about connecting with God uh, through song that can make us joyous through the day. And we see in verse 14, it says, Sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Sounds a lot like Psalm 100, making that joyful sound to the Lord. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. That's where joy can be found. We see also in Psalm chapter 143, in verse 8, Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust you. Teach me in the way in which I should walk. We've talked about uh, prayer in the morning, about song in the morning. How about some time letting God speak to you in the morning? How else does he speak to us but through this word? I don't know if you do a daily Bible reading plan or you just kind of read periodically, but those times in the morning where you can wake up and sit and just open your Bible and sit at the feet of Jesus, those are things that are very rewarding, that really set a good start to the day for you. We see passages throughout Scripture that talk about the power of God, how it can transform you, how it can really wake you up. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, that the, the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce the divisions of both soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, the Word is described as uh, being profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be fully equipped, thoroughly furnished for every good work. That sounds like something that can prepare us to be disciples, but something also that can get us a good mindset for the day to start. Psalm 119 and verse 11, Thy word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119 and verse 105, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 97, Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Psalm 119 and verse 160, The sum of your word is truth. And every one of its divine ordinances is everlasting. The word of the Lord endures forever. How thankful I am that I have a copy of this. That men live and fought and died to defend this. Things we don't often think about that it just sits as, as a nice coaster. Or occasionally it will be a conversation piece. But how often do we open it when people come into our homes? Proverbs 20 verse 13, do not love sleep or you will become poor. Open your eyes and you will be satisfied with food. You'll be satisfied with spiritual food, nourishment. Jesus is that bread of life in John 6. And he's also talking about us getting the milk and the meat of the word. Uh, these nutritional terms, I guess, uh, that you see in Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14. 
These can only come through a study and understanding of the Word. Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1, briefly, before we close, talks about uh, rising up and awakening uh, because the light has now come and God and His glory has come upon you. Scripture talks about rising up. Jesus Himself rose from the dead. I think it's wonderful that we can wake up in the morning and see the sun rise and be refreshed and thank God. But I like it that we can raise up from our dead situation, from our transgressions that have buried us in sin. And we can wake up and see the Son who is Jesus Christ and be refreshed and have a new start. Some people may not want to commit. They may say, you know, I need rest. I need my sleep. You hear people sometimes say, I'll sleep when I'm dead. These are the ones that stay up constantly. The Lord didn't ask you to be deprived of sleep. The Lord didn't ask you to come this morning so that you would just have to wake up for no reason. God has a plan for your soul. He wants you to be nourished today. He wants you to see the Son physically, but He also wants you to see the Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus promises rest to those who come. In Matthew 11, beginning of verse 28, he said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He said to take his yoke upon him and learn of him, for he is meek and lowly in heart, and we shall find rest unto his souls. Revelation 14 and 13, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord, yea, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. I don't want to die and be buried. I want to die and still be alive and still be awake and spend eternity with the Lord and sit and see Jesus sitting at the right hand and ask questions to men who, uh, who were frankly pioneers of the faith, who live for God each day. The great thing about this is this is extended to everyone. No one is too far away from the Lord that he cannot save them. We know that. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, but that also that our sins have separated us from God. So what's it going to take to wake you up and bring you back this morning? Jesus tells us what what we must do. We're told in the scriptures in Romans 10 and verse 17 that we must first hear the gospel. That hearing is not enough. We must also believe, Hebrews 11 and verse 6, that without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him diligently. But not only is it enough to to just believe, that's where our our foundation starts. We're called to repent. Acts 3 and verse 19, Repent and return that your sins may be wiped away and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Luke 13 and 3, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. This is where we turn our life aimed towards God. Confess that glorious name, Matthew 10 and verse 32. Whosoever confesses me before men, him will I confess before my Father who's in heaven. Romans 10, 9 and 10 as well. But finally, we make things official with the Lord. We're buried with him in baptism as we already talked about. Uh, Colossians 2, Romans 6. We're raised up, we're clothed with Christ. Galatians 3 and verse 27. We live a new life. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. And finally, that's when we're alive. That's when we can start living. Because there's only one life, and this really isn't it. 
I beg you this morning, if things are not right with God, if you feel asleep spiritually, wake up, rise up, and Christ will shine on you. Whatever your need is, we're here for you, we'll pray for you, we'll, we'll study with you. Uh, this is your family, this is your home. We're so thankful that you're here this morning. We pray that you'll rise.